everyone and welcome to the Bavarian Podcast Work Show. Today I am joined by Samrin and Samrin say hi to everyone. Hi everybody. Mm, yeah see you, sh- you can tell that she's very upbeat because it's like I think 11 o'clock on her end oh, yeah. and for me just by the way I'm I need no name it's 9 45 no it's 8 45 actually you can tell that i'm a little bit disoriented because i just got pulled out of bed so if i make some weird mistakes in this podcast just bear with me because i am half asleep so as i promised today we will be starting with a contentious point of discussion in the Bayern fan base which is in fact samrin why don't you introduce us to the topic All right. It's the back three. It should never happen. I don't understand why it exists. It's the most pointless formation on the planet. And just why? And it's never going to work at Bayern. So there's the introduction. Yeah. What do you think? (laughs) You're asking me what I think. (laughs) I hate the back three. I hate the back three with the passion of a thousand sons. Okay. This is the worst thing possible for Bayern Munich. And I do not understand why Nagelsmann even touches it. Even Pep Guardiola, I don't think, experimented with the back three all that often. And Nagelsmann, he has this amazing blueprint and he has his great little new defensive formation with the narrow defense and the super high fullbacks and everything. And it looks good. And then you saw us against Kreuterfurt and I don't know what to say. I... Saw Pavard get the red card and he's a problem right now. But uh, I think the back three was a problem in that game. We looked a lot less comfortable. And I mean, it was Firth. And if we can't really dominate Perth on the pitch, then what is the point of a formation like that? And why would you go for a more defensive style of formation when you have your standard 4-2-3-1, which can overrun any kind of team on the planet? Yeah. Yeah, I think the big problem with the back three at a, at a team like Bayern is Bayern is pretty established all around. These players have been at the club for the most part, at least three, four years and have played one way. So when you try to do such a huge systematic change for at a club, which has basically played four, two, three, one since the Louis van Gaal days, which is like 11, 12 years ago, you're going to cause a big problem. And I understand when Nagelsmann does it. He wants a little more fluidity. He wants more options. I also, like, I don't mind the hybrid 3-4. Like, you know, when you defend your one way, when you attack, you're slightly different. Yeah, that's I don't mind something that. that we've been doing for a long time. So it's not, it's yeah. fine. It's it's something that everyone does with the back two. I mean, sorry, a back three. But you don't want that kind of, you know, you don't really want to see yourself going down to like a back five, right? That's the problem with yeah. the back three, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the other problem is I don't think our the players we have actually suit that system. We have Sonic every come on. And yeah. these guys are not like, what are you going to do with these guys if you decide to go with a 3-5-2? And then there's the problem of Pava. Pava is really defensive. He's not meant to run up and down my side. He's already too defensive for our four-man defense. So it's just... Let alone a three-man. Yeah, it's like uh, he might be good as a right center back in a back three, but mm-hmm. probably not as a right wing back. Like if you have him on the right side of the defense, he's pretty he's decently quick and he can like go up and down a little bit. That's enough mm-hmm. for a right center back. But as a right wing back, we'd probably have to go with someone like Sula and Sula, mm-hmm. as we saw against Dinamo Kiev. 
uh, oh yeah, full disclosure to everyone listening to this, we are recording this before the Eintracht game so that yeah. we can make our scheduled publishing time of Monday. So we don't know anything that's happened in the Eintracht game. Samrin will be doing a post game for that, so stay tuned for that. But the thing is that the back three, I think the only person on the team that it suits is Alfonso Davies, who yeah. is yeah, who is already doing just fine in the back four. So um. I kind of understand why Nagelsmann wants to explore the possibility because you see all these teams around Europe having some success with limited success with a back three yeah. from time to time. But it's always one of those kind of gimmicky formations, in my opinion, because you always see it used as some kind of tactical answer to a question that was just very specific. For example, Tuchel comes in, he takes over from Lampard and he wants to fix Chelsea's defense. What does he do? Back three. Pep yeah. Guardiola, you, he has a weird problem with constantly losing to Chelsea. What does he go with? A back three. Yeah. It's it's not even a kind of thing that most of these managers would go to first choice. And even a team like Juventus, who were pretty much one of the main proponents of the back three a few years back, they've completely mm-hmm. switched to being a back four oriented team. Even with mm-hmm. Allegri back, Allegri loved using the Bonucci, Barzali, Chiellini formation, you know, mm-hmm. that amazing BBC combo back when he mm-hmm. was in charge. But now, now, mm-hmm. even though you still have Bonucci and Chiellini and you also have Delict on that team, they yeah. don't play, they don't play a back three anymore. They play a back four, uh, they play a four, three, three, and they're still crap. Like I watched them last night. I <laughs> I, I, I I I regret. Yeah, it was yeah. I was a derby Della Mole, which is yeah. which is versus Turin, and um I watched them and they were yeah. terrible, but but mm-hmm. they didn't play a back three. So that's at least if they, they won, this right? terrible. Yeah, they won because right at the last minute, uh, Locatelli, he scored right out of nowhere because Juventus barely created anything, really. Yeah. But that's how they pl- that's how they play. So that's no, just how it is. Yeah, it's not surprising. Yeah, yeah so I, will, I do, do want to yeah. ask you one thing about the back three. And how do you think having a back three would impact Kimmich and Goretzka's role in the team? I don't think it impacts them too much, but it does mean that Kimmich can't do the thing where he drops back in between the center backs from time to time. That's mm-hmm. one of his main attributes. Like if he goes back, he can collect the ball between center backs and then push forward. And that's something that we really used to do more with Tiago and Kimmich kind of does it. He doesn't mm-hmm. do it as much, no. but he does no. do it. And it's kind of important to our build-up play. Mm-hmm. I think that would be interrupted and that might be an issue I, I i mean that it might have repercussions on other parts of the pitch like where would thomas muller go then if Kimmich is staying up top then thomas muller who drops a little bit deeper he would have to go up and if he mm-hmm. goes up then where does Lewandowski go does he go left or right does he stay where he is which right. parts of the pitch you know which parts get congested or not because i think back three or no back three Bayern munich mm-hmm. will be expected to dominate almost every single game we play. So in that context, having a back three, we need to be thinking about how it affects our attack more than our defense. Mm -hmm. At the moment, I think even with a back three, we probably should be able to defeat anyone. But I think it becomes more difficult simply because not only are the players not used to it, I'm Mm -hmm. not sure if the players are suited to it to begin with. Yeah. 
we did we did look very uncomfortable against Porter Ford, which caught me by surprise because I saw Ford the week before. Ford didn't create anything. And then against Bayern, all of a sudden, they were creating chances. And I was really surprised. I'm like, wait, at least offensive output-wise, I expected much less from Ford. And I think it actually came down more to Bayern's defending than Ford's creating in that. Yeah, we did not control that game at all. Like, Ford was just no. walking through our midfield and our defense. And it was, how should I say it? It was really sloppy from the team. Mm-hmm. You could tell that they yeah. didn't they didn't know exactly what to do. The automatisms that were have been built for years and years and years, they weren't there. And mm-hmm. I understand that it kind of sounds bad because you're saying basically we've done this all the time, so we should keep doing it. But it's not really that. It's more like if these players, we've been building a team to play a certain kind of formation and a certain kind of system and mm-hmm. just change that for any kind of reason just doesn't make any sense. It you can, really doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. You can you can go like we bought all these wingers. We bought Leroy Sane. We bought Serge Gnabry, Kingsley Coman. Mm-hmm. We bought all mm-hmm. these guys so that we could have enough wingers to play the 4 2 3 1. We have mm-hmm. Kimmich and Goretzka, possibly the best dual pivot in the world. We have mm-hmm. Alfonso Davies, offensive right back. I'm sorry, offensive yeah. left back. And mm-hmm. he's perfect in the back four. So mm-hmm. what's the point of like, you know, going with the back three? I don't. I understand there are some tactical advantages, but none of those are advantages for Bayern. Like you look at Chelsea, they had no real wingers and their fullbacks weren't actually good enough to really function the same way as Bayern's fullbacks do. So they switched Mm -hmm. to a back three and it helped them. Or City who Mm -hmm. had, you know, they had a problem with not really having a recognized striker. So they switched to a back three. So back three yeah. can be a good fallback option, in my opinion. But for a team mm-hmm. that has all its bases covered, um, mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. And just to add on to that, even even if you go before the Van Hal era, Bayern still did not play with the back three. It was still a standard back four. We used to play 4-4-2 four, four, at the time. And even, I mean, look, yeah, eventually Bayern realized that wasn't going to help them win anything. But it, even then, we didn't play a back three. And the other thing about Bayern as a team is Hansi Flick built a very clear identity, which was already sort of in place. And Bayern played one way no matter what. And that stubbornness kind of worked out in his favor because even in the games that we lost, we dominated every single one of them and we basically shot ourselves in the foot. PSG is a key example. 31 shots, you can't score more than two goals. That's on us. That's not That's not on the opposition. So I, I, there's no reason why we should switch to a back three. If we needed to change, when like we needed to change when we went from 4-4-2 to 4-5-1, we get it. But right now, I just don't see any plausible reason to even try it. Yeah, that's the thing, because Bayern look very dominant at the moment. I think we are pretty much leading football in that regard, which is actually a good segue to our next topic, which is, mm-hmm. you know, Bayern Munich, have you been challenged yet in the league? Mm-hmm. Because I remember writing a slightly controversial article where I said that the Barcelona win 3-0 was kind of meaningless because, <laughs> yeah, because they are so terrible. And yeah. as I say this, I think Barcelona lost 2-0 to Atletico Madrid yes. last night. Yeah, yeah. and Atletico ain't great themselves. So, yeah, yeah, Atletico aren't mm-hmm. even good at the moment. They've mm-hmm. uh, Barca can't even beat Cadiz. They can't. They beat Levante, but who, who the hell are Levante? I've never even heard of them. <laughs> so, so yeah, they lost 3-0 to Benfica. They, they've lost to everyone. And the same goes for Leipzig. Leipzig um, have been terrible. So, mm-hmm. like... 
can we really say that Nagelsmann has been tested? Because in my opinion, he has a lot more proving to do. Like we've had some very easy fixtures so far. You know, um, the way that I look at it, you can only play the opponents that are put in front of you. So as long as I think we have been tested, but we haven't really been tested over a course of 90 minutes. I think the beginning of the Barcelona game, the first 15, 20 minutes until Thomas Muller's deflected shot went in. I was sort of starting to wonder, like, whoa, we look a little bit uncomfortable. So maybe that sort of makes the 3-0 pretty impressive. Although, like you said, Barcelona has just been, like, really bad. But I think the other two bigger tests were Borussia Dortmund and Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, um, being able to, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, think about, I know that Dortmund, you bring it up. But I should point out that against Dortmund, they didn't have Guerrero and they didn't have Hummels. And I think That's a solid someone yeah. yeah, someone else was also missing. So it was um not exactly a full strength Dortmund that we faced. And Bayern were pretty much full strength that day. Tell you what, even if Rafa Guerrero and Max Hummels had been there, I still think we would have gone ahead and won just because I've seen that defense with Rafa Guerrero and Max Hummels, and it's not any more convincing than they were that day. Yeah, fair Guerrero enough. has Guerrero is kind of, you know, like he's meant to attack. And he kind of yeah. gets lost in that space sometimes. And Hummels is old. He's actually, I think, a little bit... His, his game is a little bit older than it should be compared to how old he is right now. So it's just... Hummels, Hummels yeah. is as low as a glacier, so... <laughs> exactly. So I don't think that would have made much of a difference. What was very good to see for me was to be able to contain Erling Haaland. Because he's a player that's yeah. caused Bayern problems again and again. So that's one test. And Borussia Mönchengladbach is a tough team. They haven't had the greatest of results so far, but today they had a great win against Wolfsburg. It's starting to come together. They had a very good win against Borussia Dortmund, albeit one without Royce and Haaland, last week. So it's, I think the Gladbach game was a good starting point to show that if you're going to beat Bayern, this is how you might try to do it. That's fair enough. Just... Get a goalkeeper like Jan Sommer who can save every okay. shot. Oh, okay. All right. Remember the Marcus Turam incidents. That could have gone either way. Look, you can talk about Marcus Turam all you want, but Jan Sommer going into full prime manual norm mode, that was one of the biggest factors because I swear Lewandowski shot at him like three times. <laughs> to be fair, we have a high-quality goalkeeper who bailed us out of a few situations. But the thing about... But the thing about the high quality goalkeeper thing is that Manuel Nor is high quality all the time. That's true. Jan Sommer, I he swear, is. I've been, I've been, he I've been watching. He makes a boneheaded mistake every single game. No, he does not. Only he does. against Leverkusen this season. Nah, no, I watch Borussia Mönchengladbach way more than you do. Okay, no, fine, way. fine, yeah. fine. I, I watch them like I, week every, in, week every out. Time, every time, every time I open my TV and BMG is on, I'm like, okay, Sommer, you're gonna do something stupid, and he does something stupid. So. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, you know what? On that on that subject about challenging Bayern, one reason why I actually think, aside from Gladbach, that Dortmund might have a better chance this year is because of their change in keeper. I think the acquisition of Gregor Kobel has been so on point. Mm. And I've really, like, I, I rated him sort of before when I saw him with Stuttgart, but he is so good with the ball at his feet and he really understands when to come out and when not to. He kind of reminds me of Noir from time to time. Yeah. And if they are going to have a title challenge, I think it's going to be built on him more than their backline. 
Yeah, because Dortmund have had a pretty mediocre keeper for a long time now. Very. I mean, mm-hmm. say what you will about Roman Berkey. He's, he never had a consistent time yeah. as being the guy in Borussia Dortmund's defense. He, mm-hmm. he had some consistent spells, I'd say. But I don't really rate him as a top keeper in any way, shape or form. Especially considering mm-hmm. how many good keepers Germany has. So yeah. the thing about Kobel is that he looks good and he looks better than Alex Nobel who is currently mm-hmm. in Monaco and currently unable to keep clean sheet. But, mm-hmm. and Kobel might, isn't, yeah. is, Kobel is German, right? Kobel is either Austrian or German. I'm pretty sure he's German. If he, if he is German, shouldn't he have deserved a call up by now? I mean, oh, he's Swiss. I just looked it up. He's Swiss. He's Swiss. Okay. Yes. That makes sense. Yeah. That that makes sense. Yeah. Because I was thinking, yeah, of course. Why, why, we why have Bern Leno as the number yeah, two. And Bern Leno is like sitting on the Arsenal bench right now. And if you yeah. sit on the Arsenal bench, it's a pretty bad bench to sit on. Let me exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We know that. You yeah. guys drew to Brentford mm-hmm. last night. so. Oh, and it wasn't Brentford. It was Brighton. We lost oh, sorry, to Brentford. Brighton, actually, Brighton like and Hove Albion. Yes. Uh, yes. That that classic, <laughs> the classic team. Yeah. Uh, yes. To be fair, Brighton are ahead of you in the table, so. Hey, Brian are a solid opponent. I have a lot of respect for Brian. Like, yeah. I like the way that they play. They're nice yeah. to watch. But the truth is, Arsenal are pretty terrible. On an average day, you can expect Arsenal to either draw nil nil or lose. And that was the likely outcome. I watched five minutes of that game, by the way. Yeah, and uh, Bert Dano is no longer a starter at Arsenal. He's behind Aaron Ramsdale. Uh, sorry, Aaron Ramsdale. <laughs> oh, God, Ramsdale. Who is um, a high-quality keeper, by the way? He's a very good keeper. Sure Leno... Honestly, Reno did not like inspire much confidence last. Yeah, season. I know he's been yeah. quite quite awful for quite some time now. Honestly, yeah. I've never rated him that highly as a keeper. I don't mm-hmm. actually rate anyone other than Noir, so <laughs> that's my that's 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 my feeling as as a human being. I mean, like, the Bundesliga I'll... has a lot of good keepers, though. You may have issues with Jan Sommer, but Gregor Kobel is pretty cool. Mine's his goalkeeper, man. I don't remember his name. I don't know if it's Florian Muller. But he's really, really good. Then, um, then Leverkusen's guy is on and off. Radetzky, I don't have full trust in him. But on a good day, he can be really good too. So, like oh, overall, man. the spread they're pretty good. Like the Bundesliga has yeah, Kevin average, Trapp, another guy. Oh man, that guy, the <laughs> Kevin Trapp. <laughs> don't tell me you don't rate like, Kevin Trapp. Uh, I'll tell you something. After the six-one comeback by Barcelona, yeah. the remontada. Yeah. In which uh-huh. trap looked like a deer caught in the headlights. I have not heard it since. <laughs> so what about Tersh Dagen? What's your opinion of Tersh Dagen? The statue. Now? Oh my God. You know, I don't know whether to feel sorry for Tersh Dagen or whether to blame him for some of the goals that they can yeah, I, because... I blame him. Yeah. First of all, I blame him. And second of all, I think he deserves it because he said he should be starting ahead of Manuel Neuer. And who are you kidding? Like seriously? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, really? Manuel Neuer would never lose 8-2. He would, he would murder his own defenders first, in fact. And hey, just hey, taking question for you. Did you yeah. ever watch the Men United versus Schalke tie in the Champions League, either 2011 to 12 or 12 to 13? I think it was 11, no. 11 to 12. No. So Neuer was so good in that game, by the way, like Schalke conceded like four goals in that. But he was so good oh. that Sir Alex actually came onto the pitch and shook his hand and was in the race to sign him. And eventually mm. it was his girlfriend, I think, wanted to stay in Munich that, that changed Neuer's uh, mind. And he ended up going to Bayern. Nice. He was superhuman in that game. So if there are highlights, I suggest you watch it. They're amazing. I mean, to be fair, there are some really good performances of Neuer in recent times as well. I mean, he literally won us the Champions League by saving everything Twice. from Mbappe. Um, last year, 
the yeah. final, that was a man of the match performance. Like I get that Kingsley comment oh, scored the sure. goal, but Alaba was literally passing the ball straight to Mbappe. And Norris <laughs> like, no, I, I got it, fam. I got you. It's it's no problem. Alaba was a disaster last year. So uh, you know, when people say that Alaba and Boateng leaving for Bayern was a loss, I'm like, no, 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 no. I am yeah. really happy Alaba's gone. Like I loved Alaba. Don't get me wrong. I loved him as a left back, not so much as a central defender. I was, I was happy that he moved on. I was like, no, we really needed a change there. And Boateng with his personal life just la- wrapped up in all types of catastrophes. Like he needed to be somewhere else and not at Bayern. Yeah, and also nice. the simple fact of the matter is that current center backs are just so much better. I am yes, perfectly yes. fine with Lucas and Sul and Upa. I'm safe. I feel happy when a defender runs <laughs> yes. at them. I don't I don't feel like, yeah. oh God, here comes um another catastrophe. Manuel Neuer, please yeah. save us. Yeah. yeah. So when for example, when someone runs at Lucas, I'm like, you're not getting past him. And when someone gets past Lucas, I'm like, okay, no you're way. outside. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. that's one the of the only good concern things is about Papa. this. You know, yeah, Pavard, he's, he's Pavard makes back. me rip my hair out. He is. <laughs> and and I get that there's still people defending him. There are still people defending him vehemently on, how should I, I say it, on the blog. I have so seen that. So yes. I, I, I do it, okay? First of all, he says that France is better than Bayern, which is very annoying. And second, he goes on and does this. And I, yep. it's just so, so annoying. And there there are literal kids doing better than him. And if Justin, <laughs> yes. and if we end up signing Justin Che in the yeah. winter, I'm pretty sure Pavard is, is done for. I think he, he his days are numbered at this club. If we can sell him for a decent amount of money, mm-hmm. I think we should do it. Like we paid 35 million for him. Like people lot. say I'm a little bit, people, people say I'm a little bit harsh on him, but this guy is a World Cup winner. We paid 35 yeah. million for him. This is and not a too, cheap player. In a like team I, that I got relegated. Yeah. Yeah. He I get that Pavat kind of has and he kind of has this vibe of like an underdog player. And I think that is makes him endearing to a lot of people, but he's not really an underdog. He plays no, for France. Not. He plays for France. He plays for Bayern Munich. He should be doing better. Yeah. Yeah. And the biggest point, I think what swung the Pava argument for me was when you mentioned, I think it was in a comments thread that Bayern actually won the Champions League with two attacking. Yeah. And that's when I was like, the argument that one side needs to be defensive to balance the other one out doesn't make any sense. Because the last time we won it, we won it with Lam and Oliver on either side. And those two are very attacking fullbacks too. Hmm. So that argument just completely fell apart. I was like, nah, man, just because you can't de- you can defend doesn't mean that you can't go and attack. Like that's that just Yeah, you sense. look at how Sula does it. Like Sula, he goes straight yeah. into the opponent's box. He just dribbled straight up there. And in fact, mm-hmm. even Davies has to stay back compared to when Sula is doing it. But that means just you just have more options. One time you can have Davies going forward, Sula staying back. One time you can have Sula going forward, Davies staying back. Mm-hmm. Instead, what you end up with with Pavard is just a lopsided affair where Davies is always forward, Pavard is always back. And the people mm-hmm. are like, Davies is getting caught up out of possession, so Pavard needs to be back. No, Davies no, is doing what he back. should be. Mm-hmm. Davies is doing what he should be, and Pavard is not getting forward. Like, I'm looking at mm-hmm. Pavard, pass the ball forward, don't pass it sideways. Sometimes you see Pavard in <laughs> acres of space, and he just passes yeah. it straight back. And I'm like, excuse me, man. And that's one of the things that people kind of miss. They want to see, they think that we want to see Pavard like dribble or cross it to the box, but his forward passing is atrocious. He doesn't yeah. pick out players properly. He doesn't really get the ball up the pitch. He's on constantly whenever he passes forward to someone like Thomas Muller or Leroy Sane or someone. 
it always ends up going back to the center backs or back to Kimmich who needs to recycle the possession from there. That's one of the biggest problems with Pavard. And, you know, yeah. I, I'm just I'm just done with him. I think Stanisic is better. I think Sewell is better. And if I think Nagelsmann, Nagelsmann agrees with you. Nagelsmann at this point, I think he's going to start Tsar and turn him into an actual footballer. And then they're going to be like, <laughs> okay, Pavard, what did you just do? Because to be fair to yeah, Nagelsmann, yeah. he seems to like Sarah a lot. He, he keeps talking about him he in press does. conferences. Yeah, he, he does. And, yeah. And Sansich too. Yeah. And to be fair, this is the man who made Nico Schultz look like a footballer. So, <laughs> and not only like a yes, footballer, he convinced Borussia Dortmund to pay quite a lot of money for him. So, <laughs> and then Schultz, right. Nico Schultz, who's still at Borussia Dortmund, by the way. So, yeah, yeah, so Nagelsmann can perform miracles. I don't know if he can perform this miracle with Sar, but <laughs> we went really off topic today, didn't we? Because the original question was, have Bayern been challenged yet? And the answer is I mean, no. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the I answer mean, is a very a resounding answer. no. No. Yeah, the, yeah. The, res- the resounding answer is no, because it was Barcelona. Barcelona, you could knock them over with a stiff breeze, and that's basically <laughs> what Bayern did. We were mm-hmm. going at 10 miles an hour. We didn't even try. We were and very slow in that game. Ooh, very slow. Yeah, I, and it was like, it was hilarious because I was watching this clip from El Chiringuit and they're like, this is even more embarrassing because Bayern, they, <laughs> they, they, they never, yeah, they weren't even trying. Like, I've never, they're like, I've never seen a German team do this. They're, they had pity on you and Germans never have pity. So just imagine how bad that is. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this, these guys are hilarious. They're right, unfortunately. Yeah, they but are. The, the thing is, like, for me, and is that I wonder when the real test comes, whether we'll be ready. And a lot of that will go down to what our squad looks like. So some of these performances, Greta Fort, Barcelona, I don't even know if it's worth going at 200 miles an hour because we did this. Exactly. Like we were burned out by March. It, in fact, there was only one season in between like 2014 and now when we weren't burned out by March. And we won the Champions League in that season. Yeah. I think the good thing is that, like, the worry that, the worry that you mentioned, the good thing is that our underlying metrics are all good. Like, we have good XG, good passing, good mm-hmm. XG against, good everything. So, theoretically, we mm-hmm. shouldn't get worse, even if the opposition quality gets better, because we yeah. are doing our own thing better. But mm-hmm. that being said, every, the thing that everyone says is that the way Nagelsmann has our defense set up, We Mm -hmm. can get punished if we're not careful. And that's just one worry that I might say. That being said, since we're talking about this again, Mm -hmm. you asked me to talk about this. And so I'll ask you, what do you want to say? Because Mm -hmm. you wanted to talk about who can challenge Bayern Munich for the title this year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. To be fair, there's two, there's more than one reason I mentioned this. Hold on. No, I'm not going to say Leverkusen because if I do, then inevitably they're going to fall apart. So no, I'm not going to say Leverkusen. But I've had a long thought about this. And today I was watching Wolfsburg and Borussia Mönchengladbach with this question in mind. Okay, listen. I'm actually going to say Borussia Mönchengladbach if they can get their act together. If they can get their act together. It's Borussia Mönchengladbach, Samran. Yes, but they're set up. Okay, so if you watch your game against Wolfsburg, Wolfsburg are a very tough team to break down. We know that. We had a tough time breaking them down when we played them last season. So I think both games were two ones. Yeah, last season. And this season, they're set up in a similar way. And a lot of the results have been really, really unlucky. A 1-1 draw against Eintracht Frankfurt, where they should have probably won 3-4. 
and then this midweek draw against yeah that's Sevilla. I think that was criminal. <laughs> like, I have no idea how the hell that was a penalty and a red card. Such a horrible decision. It's made worse by the fact that VAR made the choice, not the referee. Yeah, the, the, the referee, referee, the referee went to the pit side monitor and he watched it and he decided, no, I, I still think it's a yellow card. I don't know, man. UEFA, it just doesn't make any sense. It's it was it was horrible. So if if Van Bommel's team can sort of keep that structure together, even if they don't challenge Bayern and itself, I think like a third, fourth, like challenging Borussia Dortmund for that second spot is viable. Same with Borussia Mönchengladbach. They beat Dortmund head-to-head last week. I mean, a lot of things went into that game. A lot of luck in Gladbach's favor. But that being said, I think Gladbach has a decent chance to finish in the top four because I don't I don't hate Adi Hutter. I, I like I him more than I like... <laughs> okay, we're going to get into that. But I like him more than I like Marco Rosa. I cannot stand Marco Rosa. But your turn. Go ahead. Why don't you like Adi Hutter? He keeps beating us black and blue every time we face him so <laughs> i don't like him remember that's, remember that's when we used to face frankfurt and then david abraham would try to murder Lewandowski. oh my yeah. god now that's it, 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 was, it was actually it was actually i would say that actually hurta but his frankfurt was easier to beat than kovac's frankfurt because kovac's frankfurt was goodness me that was they were awful they were tough team like yeah the that, that team like we, now, we could beat different. them yeah. but we would come out on the other side with a lot of bruises so yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm glad that kovac is not in the league anymore because he would be making a complete mess of this very nice attacking league we've got here uh, um no but it, who do you think is a viable challenger um you can throw in Dortmund, to course, but yeah to Bayern. in in this league i think this is the least competitive league since 2017. <laughs> doesn't seem very competitive i was like i'll be honest with you i think together no yeah i think we'll be four points clear by the end of this match day and it's only match day what eight yeah yeah match Mm -hmm. you know it's match seven seven Seven. Mm -hmm. yeah so four points clear by match day seven and it's only going to get worse three points if leverkusen wins tomorrow they play our and and that's a favorable fixture uh it's leverkusen samarin I know, I know, but they have got Gerard Sione, who Who? I rate because, okay, he used to be the coach of Young Boys. Young Boys, okay, the history behind it. Young Boys did a number on Leverkusen when they played them in the Europa League last year. It was like 6-3 in favor of Young Boys. And they took that coach, they brought him in, they have been impressive. Like, I'm yet to see a poor Leverkusen performance, maybe opening day against Union Berlin, but that finished a 1-1. And it's Borussia Dortmund. They lost by the odd goal. They were they were very very good. They mm-hmm. thrashed Borussia Mönchengladbach. Very lucky to have thrashed them. I gotta say, Jan Sommer. Okay, here's your here's your little gift. Jan Sommer made a bunch of mistakes. So they lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like cost them like three goals. So there's there's issues like there's things like that, but they have been solid and solid enough for me to say that they might stay there in the long haul but let me not say that and jinx them and ruin their season again so i'm just okay do yeah i mean who the hell picks Bayer leverkusen as you know a challenger but this is probably the least competitive league in my opinion since carlo ancelotti took over back in so 2016 yeah like, ancelotti didn't he literally said that you could win the league at buying without taking your hands out of your pockets. And then he proceeded mm-hmm. to do that by <laughs> literally s- sleep, sleeping through his entire tenure. 
and still winning the yeah. league by 13, 14 yeah. points. So, yeah. So, I dislike Ancelotti so much. Like, even when yeah, I see I him now, him. I still feel angry. Yeah. yeah, I hate him because we had such a complete squad. If he had, if he had kept Pep for another year, I think yeah. the only weakness that we had in 2016 was the fact that we had to rely on Javi Martinez. Or mm-hmm. we don't even talk about Hogabashi, but we had to rely on Javi uh-huh. Martinez or Mehdi Benatia as center backs, and they were just not mm-hmm. reliable. And no. that summer we bought Hummels, and we had Hummels mm-hmm. and Boateng. And mm-hmm. I'm just so sad because of what happened that year. It's kind of interesting mm-hmm. how a lot of things have lined up between the Nagelsmann and Angelotti Tenios, except for the fact that, you know, Nagelsmann actually seems to know what he's doing. That's actually true. And Nagelsmann understands Bayern in a very different way. He, yeah. he understands he understands Thomas Muller. He understands the vibes of the team. He knows what will make the fan base angry and he stays away. From so yeah. good on him to know all of that. But the moment he brings in a back three, I'm telling you that five year contract, that ink. It's gonna yeah. start to get wet, although it's dry right now. Like it's mm-hmm. it's not gonna it's not gonna work. I literally think like Uli Honus will show up to talk to him. Like no. Uli Honus is still controlling things behind the scenes, as far as we can tell. So yeah, more or less. He has he apparently has people up in his house for tea. He apparently had Sammy yeah. up there a few weeks ago or something like that. The the tea thing yeah. is the tea and cookies thing is really it's important for any player's performances because you can see Sane. He's doing amazing now. You know, I got to say, like, I can't believe it. I sometimes I cannot believe what did the transformation happen in like one game? It happened in one week, like from week to week. He was a completely different player. And I don't even know how much to credit Nagelsmann with about this because it was just so sudden. And he looks like pre-ACL Sané. And I can't I literally cannot. He looks better than pre-ACL Sané because pre-ACL Sané <laughs> didn't defend. <laughs> That's true. That's on Pep. Uh, I think it's on Tani as well. Tani looks much more mature now. He was a little bit immature back in his, you know, pre-ACL days. And to be fair, he was a young 20-year-old and he's now 25, 26. So that kind of, that's kind of expected after all. That's fair, but I like to blame Pep for things. Yeah, I do as well. I blame him for the ACL in the first place. There was no reason to play him against Liverpool that game. <laughs> Wait, was the title decided by that point? Was it later? No, that was, that, was, that was the community shield. Oh my God. All right. I remember now. It happened in the community. And, yeah, and why and you know why it happened? Shield. Because uh, Mares got some kind of nasal spray and apparently mm-hmm. that that made him um, unable to play the game because apparently it had a banned substance or something inside it. I don't know. So mm-hmm. because of that, Sani, who was not supposed to play, ended up having to play an ACL. Oh my God. Cascading effect. Yeah, and... that's what we call the butterfly effect. Yes. So. Uh, I yeah. think we've talked enough about Bayern today because we have a match tonight. And remember, you guys sure. should remember to check out our post-game podcast, which is going to be recorded after this, but posted before this. Mm-hmm. And that's not confusing at all. So remember to check that out. <laughs> Samrin will be on it, giving her weird opinions. And okay. All right. My opinions mm-hmm. are not that weird, except Luke Dion. Yes, I understand. But still. Oh, man. Okay. You know that Barca fans really thought you were trolling them when you said Luke Dion. <laughs> Every you should see him asked. for Sevilla. Did you watch the Europa League final between Inter Milan and Sevilla? Yes. He came on and he changed that game. Yeah, true. But like, there was did also you watch Lukaku. the games between? I I mean, uh, and did you watch the game between Sevilla and Borussia Dortmund last season? The matchup, no. literally, when Luke came on, Sevilla had a different look, and it literally looked like Dortmund might end up getting knocked out in the final seconds. He gives something like. 
he's a very traditional type of striker, you know? Gives like that added depth, but eh, that's my chance. Yeah, okay. That's fair enough. So what we want to talk about now, since the international break is coming up, I hate the international break, but we have to talk about it, is <laughs> Germany. Germany is back, is coming back soon. And Hansi Flick has some interesting squad selections. He's called up Thomas Muller, as we expected, and he's dropped mm-hmm. Ridley Baku, which is probably a decent decision, given what we saw. I think Jonas Hoffman will be back at right back now. And mm-hmm. Muller, I think he's going to push Timo out of the lineup. Yes, please. Thank you. Do you think, I do, that, wanna... Go do you think it's going to be like Muller and Havertz up top? Uh, I've... I'm curious to see how that works out. And knowing that Flick is a fan of both Havertz and Timo Werner, it might be interesting to see who he decides to go with. I don't know if he picked any of the traditional strikers. I, I know Kevin Valland yeah. hasn't been picked. By yeah, he, he hasn't he hasn't picked any traditional strikers as far as I can tell. I think he's planning mm-hmm. to just keep all the scoring options around because at the moment, you can't bench Sané or Gnabry. Both of them are happen, in no. red-hot mm-hmm. form compared to the last international break. Yeah. And yeah. Muller is Flick's assistant coach, basically. So he's mm-hmm. going to play. He might not play every game, but he should play most of them, at least mm-hmm. most of the minutes. So that leaves Havertz and Werner. And Havertz, I rate higher than Werner. Although mm-hmm. I'm not sure if Havertz played last night against um who was it? Who did they play against? Southampton. So I I, I got them right after the red card where James Ward Press mm-hmm. got the red card. So mm-hmm. uh I don't know if Havertz played that. I did not see him at the time. Like mm-hmm. I saw Ross Barkley instead, which is mm-hmm. quite something. So <laughs> right. to be fair to him, he was pretty good. So anyway, so Still. So um, I think that Hansi, he will go with a 4-2-3-1. Kimi Goretzka, mm-hmm. obviously. No Gundogan yeah. this time because he is injured. And right. So I think it's going to be a normal 4-2-3-1 with Muller and Havertz up top. And instead of mm-hmm. like a target man kind of setup, they are going to be like two false nines. And we're going to have mm-hmm. to see how it works out. I think Hansi is going to test it see if it works and if it doesn't work mm-hmm. he's gonna pin it and go with something else i think so too i'm actually a little i think those spots are more fixed than the back line i'm actually curious to see what he's gonna try at the back i think the back line should be it i think the entire problem is the left back spot because i think rudiger and mm-hmm. sula are pretty mm-hmm. much locked in at center back and i mm-hmm. think right back Jonas hoffman is showing that he can do a job there as an offensive right back terrific game today yeah not not as an offensive right back but like yeah, but, yeah mm-hmm. but it's the thing that Yannis Hoffman, we need a right back. So, and, and we can't move Kimmich back there because, uh, you know, Kimmich. So, he won't be happy. Yeah. Yeah. So, he won't be happy at all. So, we just have to figure it out, I think. But I think even with that, right back is not a big, big problem. Left back is a problem. Robin Gosens is mm-hmm. not on the thing because he is injured, I think. Mm-hmm. So, that means that you're going to have a chance to test. I think, who is it? David Raum and Schlotterbeck? Nico Schlotterbeck and David Raum, I think both play as center backs. It's going to oh, be a no, little not bit again. interesting. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure like Schlotterbeck, I'm pretty sure plays as a center back. David Raum, I think, can also okay. play in the defensive. Okay. You, know, you know what the solution is then, right? Which is, tell me. Leroy Nick Sané Davies. at left back. Oh, God. Oh. God. You know, I don't think he would he would do a half bad job. I think he would yeah, do a he pretty would be good amazing. job. He defends, he defends he defensive really well. People. 
I, I he defends he defends amazingly yeah. well now. It's incredible. Yeah. Who did he try at left back last time? Who did he try? We had Gosens. We had mm-hmm. who did we have? We had we had Carer at left back, and he was good. Oh, <laughs> Wait, he was good. <laughs> so that just shows how good Hansi is. He can turn Carer into a good footballer just, at left back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I, at that point I was like thinking, okay, Hansi's just paying him back for the Champions League final. But yeah, he was actually good. <laughs> I wonder, you know, like just one point about Reed Labaku, by the way. I was listening to the commentary on my game today and I heard the commentator say that apparently Flick called Reed Labaku and Mark Van Bommel to explain why Baku had been left out. And I really don't think it has anything to do with his performance. I thought really? Baku was decent. Uh, yeah, I thought he was pretty decent when I saw him for Germany. I didn't think he I saw game. him and I think I thought he was too defensive, like basically German Pavard. Do you think that may be down to pressure? Because when he plays in Wolfsburg, he's so attack minded. Yeah, I think it might be. I think it might be, but uh, who knows? I don't, he didn't leave a good impression a little bit. Yeah. So okay. okay. So that might be it. But that just surprised me. I mean, hey, Sani at left back might be it. Like, if worst comes to worst, sure, why not? As long as we don't revert to a back, three. as long as Jeremy don't go to a yeah, back three. Yeah, Flick, Flick, Flick is not Flick is mad, but he's not that kind of mad. He's a it's very anti-back three. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He is not gonna go with back three. He's not gonna do that. I believe in Flick. I trust him. So I think that's all for today because we have mm-hmm. been recording for over forty minutes, and mm-hmm. I kind of need to go back to bed. So Samrin, <laughs> right. Samrin, why don't you do the outro? All right. All right. This has been I Need No Name. This has been Samrin expressing our hatred of back threes, our somewhat mutual dislike of Benjamin Pava, and our conflicting opinions on Borussia Mönchengladbach and Bayer Leverkusen, among a lot of other things. So I hope you've enjoyed our podcast. In, are there things that you would like to add about where people can find us? Yeah, you can find us on basically any podcasting platform, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever. And just be sure to, I think, subscribe. Can you subscribe to these podcasts? I don't know. And if you, you can't, just to. remember, just remember to check out, check out our blog. We have a community there. You can comment. You can talk to like-minded Bayern fans. We have so much coverage. We have match observations, awards, a post-game podcast, everything that you could ever want. News, chanter rumors, literally everything. Check us out and we will see you next time. Good night. Good night.